Well, all right. Father, getting into your word this morning, I want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of standing in for Pastor Mike and serving him, and Lord, encouraging him, he and his wife, Lord, while they're off and enjoying this day with family. Father, your blessing be upon him. And Lord, Lord, just to lift them up, Lord, and, and uh, bless them, God. Grant them God's speed in their travels, Lord. But Lord, this day for us that are here, I pray, God, for your word to be spoken clearly. And Lord, for your word to, to come through your servant's mind and heart and spirit. And Lord, be spoken. And Lord, your Holy Spirit, that you would move and, and fill in the gaps, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been uh, going through a, a struggle, which is not an unusual thing. The trouble is when you don't struggle. I've had people in the past say, I don't, I don't struggle with temptation anymore. I've just given in. It's not worth the battle. You know, that's not good. That's called giving up. We are more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ. He strengthens us. There is not defeat in the vocabulary of the child of God. Get rid of it. In the same way with married couples, there's another word that should, that should not and hadn't better be in the vocabulary of people that are married, and that is divorce. It doesn't exist. So I want to speak to you about a battle that I've been having over the past couple weeks, and there just comes a time when you say, Lord, I'm going to submit to you, and I'm going to resist the devil, and he will flee. There's no getting around it. It's not an if thing. He's going to flee. That's a promise of God. He can't stand you to begin with. And when you begin to submit to God, He really can't stand you so much so He thinks you stink. And He runs like you had a really bad odor. I enjoy that. And so He's been, the Lord has been showing me some things about a primary verse, and I want us to start with this. And it's in Luke 9.62. From the New King James, but Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Fit. In your younger days, were you ever physically fit? Playing football, playing basketball. If you played team sports, you know what it, we know what it feels like to be not physically fit when we do something we're not used to doing at this stage of the game, and you feel it the next day, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to not be fit. And when the Lord says there's something that you, could, that you will do in your life that will render you of little service, I pay attention to it. This verse is one of them. This is a very important verse to me, and I want to go back in time a little bit, and we're going to talk about, first of all, we're going to talk about the dangers of looking back, and then the good things of looking back, because it's not about not ever looking back, but it's looking back with a yearning of, oh, the good old days. You better not be saying that much anymore, okay, unless you really want to go back to those good old days and see how rotten it was and how much you claim, complained about that back then. Okay? I'm being serious, flat out serious with you, that when you start looking back, all of a sudden, this thing of, oh, it looked so good, not when you were back there. But let us do this this morning. Let us look at what it is in that looking back that renders us not fit. How many of you would love to be used by God? Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Yeah, first day I got saved. First day, here, I'm going back right now. First day I got saved was on April 5th, 1981. And on Monday, April 6th, 1981, I was on my bike with a backpack full of Bibles and I was riding around town in Petoskey looking for people to give Bibles to. 
And I came around a particular corner and I looked up in the sky and I said, God, I give you my life. Please use me. One day older than the Lord, and I'm praying these prayers that were so much bigger than me. Kingdom prayers. And I look now at where I am, I'm going, Lord, you are awesome. Over the past few days, it's a few weeks, I've had three brothers in the Lord come to mind that are defeated. They have become salt that's not salty. They've become a candle that's snuffed out. I look at what God can do to someone who's 23 years old and just one year old, one day old in the Lord and see what He can do with that one person that renders themselves usable and surrendered to Him. And the reason why they're defeated is because they look back with such regret and they think that the Lord still looks at them and want, and they think it somehow brings some sort of pleasure to themselves to go back and rehearse the defeats, rehearse the shame, rehearse the sin, rehearse the failure that they were before God. And I try to speak to them and the and, and my intercession is, Lord, I can't help them. Their hands are tied behind their back and they won't walk free. And it's frustrating to me. But in that, the Lord allows... Uh, you know, when you give yourself over to the Lord, He allows things to be stirred up in you and to come up. And all of a sudden, He allows the devil to pick at you a little bit. Yet all He does is He's... He says, okay, Satan, the great accuser of the brethren, you watch how my servant does when you accuse him of things that I've forgiven. This is what I want to talk to you about this morning, so hang in there. I'm going to go all over the place from A to Z, and somewhere in the middle we'll meet, okay? Now, I'm not a teacher where I'm Mr. Line upon line. Thank God for Pastor Mike. He does that, but I'm, I'm a preacher. This is what I do. And so I'm not scattered but just grab from it what I, it's like getting a drink out of a, out of a fire hose. I'm going to be spraying a little bit here this morning. So sit three feet back sometimes. Let's go back 23 years. 23 years ago, it was a Wednesday night, Bible study, probably a dozen people in our little sanctuary that would be cozy at 50 people. The town was Clarkston, Michigan. The year was 1998, and I remember it vividly because the Lord did something through me and brought out a manifestation I wasn't ready for. <laughs> yeah. So it went like this. Bible study, you know, I've got my little uh, musical music stand here, and, and I open up my Bible, I get out my notes, and and I, after a prayer, I'm ready to get into a study, and I, and I love, this was real, you know, line upon line studying, because I'm able to do that, just on Sunday mornings, I don't do much of that, but in that time, I don't even know what it was that I was teaching on, what book of the Bible that we were going through, but this is what occurred. This is before the day of projection screens like we have here. This is back, remember the overhead projectors, and you know, you got to slide them in there, and it always comes up in a V-shape on the wall, and everybody's got to squint and sit close to read it. You remember those days? Yeah, those were not good old days, but... Going back to that year of 1998, I opened up my Bible, and as soon as one word came out of my mouth, up on the back wall of the sanctuary, not 20 feet away, was a movie playing. In the spirit realm, I saw it. 
And it was a movie, if you will, of a man struggling with a plow. The horse was pulling a plow, and he was struggling with it. That's hard work. Have you ever done that? Has anyone in here walked behind a horse with a single plow trying to make it work? I have. I have. Thank God I didn't have to do it, but a friend of mine met with him Friday. We talked about it, and I said, Scott, I'm going to be I'm going to be preaching that message that you showed me that day a couple of years ago, Memorial Day, three years ago, I think, up there with a, behind a horse. And, and he says, you're going to find out what to do here, Rip. I'm going to just give you a couple pointers, but keep that plow going straight. There's no furrow to follow except the one next to you, and if you don't pay attention, guess what happens to the plow? Boink, it comes up out of the ground. And all of a sudden, you've got to stop the horse, put it in the ground again, giddy up. Up, up, let's go. And the horse starts pulling the plow again. You don't keep both hands on that plow. If you want to go left, you've got to push down on the right hand, on that part of the handle. If you want to go right, you push down on the left. And then don't push down too much because it'll lift up and come out of the ground and then you're not plowing. Then you're dealing with a beast of the field in front of you. It's not easy. Anyone putting their hand to the plow. And I saw on that back wall for the span of, I don't know how long it was, but it was... It was playing out, and I felt the Lord say, Rip, what are you seeing? Preach it. He didn't have to ask that loudly or twice. And I saw on that screen someone who was looking back, you know, just plowing, and looking back like this, and, I, and all of a sudden I was in that, that wonderful realm of fire. And I said, why do you look behind you? You've got a dozen people there. Why do you look behind you when you reach back for everything that you wouldn't even want to go back to? It's ugly. There's defeat. There's bitterness. There's unforgiveness. There's ugly things back there. There's hurt. There's shame. There's embarrassment. There's regret. Why would you reach back there and grab it? And it was with that kind of force, a lady had come in to visit us. And she was in the far back corner. And all of a sudden, she began to shriek. Ah! Ah! And she got up and she ran right across the hallway and into the ladies' room. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there. I come out of it and I'm like, whoa. And I looked at our people and I said, do you know what just happened? Do I have to explain? Do you, do you understand what just took place? They said, yes. See, my people were raised and trained in the Holy Spirit. When something would happen, they don't say, oh, I've never seen this before. I don't know about this. They knew what God was doing when we came in. That's why they showed up. They just wanted to know what else God was going to do. Well, no one had that one planned. And neither did the lady who came in off the street to sit in our church on that Wednesday night. People don't visit on Wednesday nights. Those were, Wednesday nights is for the really saved people. <laughs> they're the ones that are really dedicated and they're hungry. Well, I had about a dozen. And I looked at Holly, sweet young gal with a family. I, I said, Holly, would you please... Go back to the ladies' room and make sure she's okay. Comfort her. Pray over her. Didn't have to ask twice. Boom, she's up and she's back there. After a while, I'm, you know, I'm going through my study like nothing happened, right? And I see Holly came out and, and she sat down. And, and about ten minutes later, a lady comes out. And she sits down, her face is all dried off and everything. Her hair's not a mess. She sits down, 
and uh, I just keep on a going. And when when we you know we'd go an hour on Wednesday nights, you know, and and uh, as soon as I said Amen, God bless you, you know, catch you on Sunday. She got up, and I mean, she made a straight line for me. I mean, she's like, and I mean, the the picture I still have. I'll I'll try to act it out. She's like this. She goes, show me your notes. Was that in your notes? I want to know. Show me your notes. I looked at her and I said this. You know better than that. She says, yes. I said, did you get that all worked out? Yes. Do you know what to do when you leave here? Yes. I said, thank God for that. She was a believer, strong believer. Got to know her a little bit after that, but I didn't know anything of her when she came in. And oh my, And when you go to 1 Corinthians 14, you will learn the gift of prophecy does just that. Strengthened, encouraged, comforted. The Lord had mercy on her. Because all she was doing in her life was looking back, looking back, looking back. And she was so angry and fraught with frustration in the kingdom of God. And she had a place, she had a destiny to be, and she was not in that direction. And the Lord says, here, let me help you. Go, Pastor Rip's got a little, you know, and she just comes in, sits down in that little meeting. And I was not ready for that. I don't pray for that. I don't ask for that, but I walk in it. She was looking back. I have brothers that are doing that right now. They're looking back. Let's look at the dangers. First of all, here's a great prep to keep you from looking back at the wrong things is first of all, be a student in the Word, know who you are. As I look over this room, there's no one in here that's a new believer. Everybody in here is at a different stage of growth. Each one of us has areas that we need to cultivate and pluck up a few weeds. That's a different kind of plowing there. Some people do it with a hoe, some people do it with a, with a little cultivator thingy and Whatever, but there's work to be done in your lives. But there's one thing that we need to know is still existent. It's what we came out of. In the the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit to speak to them as they went to examine their hearts every day. They did everything they could. They examined their hearts through through, uh, an obsolete, that's biblical, it's in Hebrews, through an obsolete, what we now call the Old Testament, covenant. And the Lord was gracious to them, and being in the Old Covenant was better than being in no covenant at all. They were God's people, so let's look at it in that perspective. But if you'll turn with me to Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now that last question is easily superseded by the Holy Spirit that you have dwelling in your precious earthly tabernacle, which is holy unto God for service. But it still is true today, isn't it? I've got a friend who was a worship leader in that same church back in those years, and and uh, I just you know we just talk about what the Lord's doing in our lives, what the Lord's showing us, and and how He's doing, how I'm doing, how our kids are doing. We we're, we were like best friends back then. He's even visited here once years ago when, when my time of pastorate was here. And, uh, and one time he just, I just shared some things with him, and I don't know what was going on in his mind, but he, he's a delightful person. He really, he's, he, uh, he's one of my favorite people on the whole planet. And he says, uh, he says, how do you do that? And I said, do what? How do you always know what's going on inside of you? How do you know those things in you? 
And I said, you don't? And I said, do you ever examine your heart or is it too painful to look at? God can take care of that. I wouldn't even want to bring up what I've been through to make me the way I am today. And I thank God for every bit of it. But I want to talk to you about the danger of looking back. It's because the Lord, the Lord is not there. You say, well, He's everywhere. The Lord is here today, present with us today, and He's present in our future, where we are going, where we are headed. That's why He says, follow me. Following is the process of watching your Master go in a certain direction, and it's not backwards. Jesus never walked backwards in that regard to use a proper word picture. You understand? Who lives in our past? Oh, there's someone back there, and he wants to destroy you. He's called the accuser of the brethren, and he's really good at it. When someone accuses you of something, it isn't what you're doing right now, is it? It's about something you did in the past. Whether it be a day ago, a week ago, a month, or a decade, or two decades ago. And that's where the devil lives. That's why it's dangerous to look back. I have these friends, these brothers that look back, and I weep for them. So why? Why are you reliving that with the same attitude, the same picture of shame, guilt? Now, there's a mindset that says, I wish I could go back and do it over again. Well, leave it there. You're going to have another chance. Don't miss it. That's what repentance is good about. Repentance is not, you know, constantly feeling sorry for what you did, but repentance is a turning around and setting your face in a proper direction to where I'm going, what I'm going to do, what the Lord is bringing to me, and I'm going to set it straight every day from here until I see Him face to face. I'm going to set it straight. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not that way. When Vicki and I gave our lives to Christ, April 5th, 1981, in that little church across from Bill and Carol's, does anybody know where Bill and Carol's is in Batoski? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many kegs we bought from there? Yeah, I'll just leave it at that, okay? I say that for humor's sake, okay? Just to let you know, to help with this story a little bit. And, and so after... During that summer, I sprained my ankle really bad, and I'm kind of hobbling like this. And I walked in, of course, Bill and his wife, Carol, and the kids knew, knew Vicki and I, knew our families. We're all Petoskey people, and, and I'm hobbling in there, and I, and I set, I, I, it was a Sunday paper. And I'm paying for my Sunday paper, and, and Carol looks at me, and she goes, what are you limping for? Did you fall off a bar stool? Uh-oh, here we go. I was a preacher in those days. From the first day I got saved, I was a preacher. And if you didn't know that Vicki and I got saved, you're going to find out it was that way, and it has been that way ever since. But I looked at her and I said, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ at that church right across the street. And that's where I was this morning. That's where I was before I walked in here. And i got to tell you, I gave up drinking on that day. I don't drink. You will not see me buying beer here. Now, I just don't buy that stuff anymore because I don't use it anymore. Just wanted to let her know. Paid for it, grabbed the paper, and walked out. and going, hmm. The devil is the accuser of the brethren and he wants to keep bringing shameful things back to you that's under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's covered. So I'm sitting with this one friend in, a, in another church besides this one some years back, and he's sitting and he is he's just languishing in shame, head down. 
His whole countenance was dark when he came in. And he sat down and he's asking me to help him. Help with what? Hasn't God already forgiven you? I looked at him and I said, you've got to stop beating yourself up. So when I see two friends fighting, I step in the middle of them and I break them up because I don't want my two friends hurt. I said, but what do I do when a friend is beating up on himself? How do I act? I looked at him, I said, stop it. (laughs) I'm a real good counselor. Stop it. Have you ever seen that video? Uh, it's with, I uh, can't remember his name now. Um, he's, uh, anyways, Bob Newhart, thank you. Um, things rattling around my head. I told him, I said, you got to stop doing that. Do you believe that you're forgiven? Yeah, but. No, yeah, but live in the woods. Yeah, you are. So I'm with these friends. They continually do this. One is local. And I hope he's listening. If the blood of Jesus is not able to forgive you, what more is left? It is the accuser of the brethren that is in your past that you don't want to go back there and dwell on, oh, it was so good back then. What is wrong with that? Well, first of all, you begin to look back on those good old days and you begin to complain that today is not as good as the good old days. That's the problem with the whole premise. Where we are today, we are to be grateful, humble, completely thankful and in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I... I've been in times of want, and serious want, if you've read the book of Acts. And I've been in times of abundance. He says, this is what I've learned. I've learned to be content in every state of being that I am in. And when you're content, you don't look back. What did the Israelites do? What did, the, what did the, the children of provocation do? Do you, know why? do you know why the Bible refers to the 40 years of wandering in the desert as the day of provocation? It's because they provoked God. Provoked Him. It's one thing to bring, to bring somebody out of Egypt, but it's a whole other thing to get Egypt out of them. And this is what we struggle with is that the things that we look back on are not half as good as what you really think they are. And the devil is back there. And I'll tell you, today in today's prayer requests that you might have, not today functionally, but I mean in a day of the present, when you have a prayer need, and all of a sudden you find yourself wanting to do a little bit of warfare, and you say, say, devil, get out of my life. Well, I'll tell you what, get out of his When you are looking back, you are playing in his backyard. So don't you be telling the devil to get out of your yard when you're playing in his. It doesn't work. Submit to God. Don't look back. Oh, that can be an ugly thing. God sent manna. They complained. So God sent quails. You know what happened after that? They ate so much of it that they were vomiting out their nose quail. The Lord took his hand off and he says, you know what? If you want to keep complaining, you know, which they did, if you know, if you know that, that book of of Exodus and Genesis, the whole thing, from one to the other. You know the heart of man, and you know that the Israelites, when they're in 400 years of captivity, you know, when they came out, it wasn't so easy. It wasn't difficult for the Lord, but there was a process. And out in out in the wilderness, they were complaining because there wasn't enough food. 
They're complaining to Moses about everything. Complaining, complaining, complaining. And, he's, and, and pretty soon, you know, Moses, he goes to the Lord. He doesn't know what else to do. Lord, I haven't been here before. Would you please help me with this? The Lord sent manna. You know what manna was? Manna was a heavenly, genetically designed food for the wilderness. It was perfect in every way for the health of the body to give them strength for wanderings. <laughs> That's how good God is. The Lord does not like people being hungry. You can read that through the Old Testament, that he just doesn't take kind to people being hungry and we not helping him. Well, he leads the way in that, and so he's given them food, and then pretty soon they go into another hard time, and then pretty soon the, the, the manna starts tasting kind of old. They lost their thankfulness. They lost their amazement with God. Another guy, years ago, would always tell me of the days he was from Grand Rapids. He'd tell me of the days when he came up from Grand Rapids and he's trying to find a church around here like the church that he left in Grand Rapids. And he's complaining about that a lot. And I'd invite him to church and didn't like it. He went to another church and didn't like it. Went to another church and didn't like it. You know what the real problem was? Maybe he should have asked God if he was to leave that church in Grand Rapids. I told him, I said, why don't you just go back? No. Looking back. It always looks so much better until you really come into that. And you know, what? the devil will beat you up in such a way that you will relive what you went through and put under the blood of Jesus. Would you turn with me to Luke 17, Larry, 28 to 32. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. This is last day's stuff right here. Last day's discourse. They ate, this is when, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be in the coming, the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, in escape, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day... He who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? She looked back, didn't she? The picture of the man behind the plow, putting his hand to the plow, Jesus said, and looking back, that looking back is with the implication, the picture of someone looking back and saying, oh, I'm sure going to miss that. We are in the end days. And part of being in the end days is going to be a greater temptation in the difficulties that we face to look back and say, them sure were the days. Strike that from your mind and your mouth. Get it out of your heart. Because you are not where the Lord wants you focused. We're in a day where an acceleration is occurring. You understand that. There's an acceleration. The time frame, everything accelerated. Went to a, a conference years ago with with Winky Prattney, I don't know if that makes a, any difference here, but Winky was, was a really, he's one of the Jesus people, USA speakers. He was, he was big stuff in the 70s. And Winky's, he is a chemist, a spirit-filled, gifted teacher, chemist, with a chemistry background. I believe he's from New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. But he was telling us in his Kiwi accent, uh, a bunch of us youth pastors. And uh, so I'm, I'm dating this back a little ways. And he was telling us back in, the, in 1990 or 91, 
He was telling us what it was going to be like in the end days. Now, we all knew we were in the end times, but not like today. The acceleration that's taking place today. Always, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I've got, I've got, I've got one, one hand on the work and the other hand on a suitcase ready to go. I am ready to go. I don't have to get ready. I stay ready, even today. But back then, Winky said there's coming an acceleration, and it's going to look like this. He says, you remember those sixth-grade science uh, films of the old projectors clicking along? And he says, you watch the, the picture of time-lapse photography. Now, everybody hears of an age, just about everybody, of time-lapse photography where there's a flicker, and it shows something that is moving fast that took, took months for it to lapse by and can show it quickly. And time-lapse photography still today is a fascinating thing to watch. Um, but anyways, he's, he's talking about something that's planted. He says, how about a, how about a spring tulip? Uh, he says, a, a flower in the springtime. He says, and he uses his arm. He says, when it springs up, the head is like my fist, and it's curled over like this, and it's tight. And he says, and, and you watch that time-lapse, and he says that time-lapse really makes it, astounding for what we're going through and it really accurate and he says it comes up really slow really slow really slow and it's moving around like this really slow and all of a sudden with a quick tenth of a second explosion boom it's the flower opening okay following me we are in an accelerated time right now that the fulfillment of all things is upon us so much so of 6,000 years of human existence, we are looking at the fulfillment of all things. Jesus called it that, the fulfillment of all things. Now, how much? How many words of the Lord were spoken of you? Let's just take this right here. How, it, just a little example. An accelerated, accelerated unfolding right now. An accelerated harvest. We haven't seen the harvest accelerate yet, but the Lord is doing things in His church first. Have you seen things in your life that have not yet been fulfilled that the Lord, you knew the Lord has spoken? Well, guess what? Hang on your hat. We're in that season. And it may not look like it's even right there, but you're like that, that flower stalk that's coming up and it's just kind of barely moving around. And you see a little sign here. You see a glimmer of hope here. But pretty soon, Pastor Mike was taught, touching on that last week, and he says you can be so near what you're going through, you're, you're, that very promise of being fulfilled, you can be so near it but feel so far away from it. We are in the end times where things are being revealed, things are being uncovered. It is, it is an unfolding promise in front of us that the Lord has given us, but also He's doing it in the world. And remember this, that in this time of acceleration you will have a greater temptation to look back. And the devil will come against that stronger than he ever has before. When it was just an innocent looking back, it's not going to be innocent anymore. Why? Because times are getting tough. And when times get tough, you're all of a sudden wanting to look back and say, the good old days, the good old days, the good old days. Don't do it. Be on the guard for that, even this week, even today. Be careful what you look back to. Yep, it was a whole lot better back then. No, it wasn't. Uh Uh-uh. And if it was, big deal. You're not living there. So beware of that temptation that comes in. And it's the very same thing that Lot's wife and the children of the provocation did There's too much of that back there. They don't want to let go of it. And that's why Jesus gave the warning in this. He says, in that day, he whoever's on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. In other words, jump off the roof if you have to because it's time to leave. We should be a people ready to leave. If Jesus doesn't come back for all of us, He may come back for you alone before you even get home. Live in the fear of the Lord. Don't fear Him who's able to destroy the body, but fear Him who's able 
to take the body and the soul and the spirit all together in one. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the harvest. And he can come back and harvest us anytime, can't he? You have to grant him that, so let's be ready. But remember, when the difficulties and the unfolding and the fulfillment of all things, there's going to be a greater temptation to look back and that, like Lot's wife, remember Lot's wife. Okay. How about the things that are good to look back on? One of the things that I've done as a, as a preacher through the years is being a part of a lot of people's memories. Sometimes things happen and I become a part of people's bad memories. Funerals. And one of the things I say at funerals, and I know that, that people are, you know, Vicki and I have this standing rule that when someone dies, dysfunction in the family is now in function, and it just, and it happens. All of the imperfections, all of the things that were hidden, all of the things that weren't said, all the things that weren't done, all of a sudden, right there at the funeral. And so much so afterwards, where everybody's fighting over what's left over. And you know what I always say from the pulpit? Almost always, I say this to the deceased, and I'll point over at the casket in state, and I will say, remember the good memories. Forget the bad memories. Sometimes we're driving down the road, and my wife looks at me, and she goes, what are you grinning about? And I said, I'm just entertaining myself. She says, oh yeah, I know that about you. And this was only about a week ago. I'll sit there and I'll mumble and I'll laugh. She says, what are you doing? She doesn't ask that so much anymore, but every now and then she will. You know one of the great blessings that I have? God has blessed me with this. It's one of my strengths, but it also can become my weakness if I'm not careful. I can remember everything, it seems. Except where I put my car keys or something, you know, short term, you know, is, is one thing. But when I go back into memories, I can remember when I was two and a half years old, I can describe the house, I can describe the black and white TV that we looked, watched, and, and this was, and I have all, and people would say, no, Rip, you're just remembering what people told you, and I said, no, uh-uh. I'd go to my mom, every now and then I'd ask my mom, I said, mom, can I describe to you the house when I was two years old, will you tell me if I'm correct? And she will. She says, yep, that was the place. Yep, it was just like that. So thank you, because people tell me that sometimes my memory, you know, I'm, I'm recalling things that, you know, just a uh, part of my imagination, you know. So I, w- I want to say this, that I love, to, I love to remember good things. Even before I was saved, good things happened. As a person who is born again, the one thing you don't want to do is celebrate things of sin or attached to it or around it. And I'll give you an example. Uh, first summer in the Lord, uh, way back then, um, I was with a, an electrician friend. I was an electrician in those days, and and uh, and my electrician friend that that was the the master electrician that was overseeing us little apprentices, you know, and and uh, we're we we're both born again, spirit filled. Love to talk in tongues, love to pray in tongues, love to just just give testimonies of God's greatness and power. And and, uh, and one day we came back and, and riding together from the job, after the job, and the subject came up of, of, of eating taco chips. And what a great snack it was. And, and all of a sudden we got into the munchies and talking about being stoned and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden we just looked at each other and said, Let's change the subject. Can you do that? Change the subject. We know this, that we take and we bind, bind those things to the mind, take them captive, bring them to the subjection, the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you won't be pestered with them, but if you dwell on them, 
the devil is right there, and he will beat you up. You know, it's being said that you don't argue with a fool according to his folly because he will pull you down to his level and beat you with experience, and that's exactly what the devil does. So remember good things. Remember testimony. You know what testimony is? Testimony is that wonderful ability to speak of something like it's happening again that very same way. Not embellishing it, but I mean it's that alive to you when when you take the stand in a court of law and you give testimony to something, you are speaking it just like it happened. And the Lord loves that. He loves it because it glorifies Him. Speak of the things of God. Testimony. Give witness of your salvation in those memories. Allow those memories to bless you, to strengthen you. And I know this, I, when I go into something that I've been there before, I can just look back and say, Lord, I've been here before and I know that you're going to win. Hallelujah. Woo, get those things under the blood and rejoice in them. I love it. You can live like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you nod your head going, amen. That's good stuff. Now, let's turn to Micah 7.19. Uh, last week, Pastor Mike said that, that he has removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I can remember the first time to talk about remembering things. I can remember when I first heard that. I, I just, I read it, you know, it's like, the east never meets the west. That's the point. That's how good he is. But also know this, that the things that he has forgiven you about, he has cast them into the sea. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue, subdue our iniquities. You will cast, Lord, you will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. I love it. You could put in there, he will he will subdue our enemies. Hmm? doesn't say that, though. He will conquer your sin. And then he takes those things and he throws them into the sea. There was a song 20 years ago um, by a particular band, I can't recall, but it's a Christian radio station, of course. And, uh, and it said that he will cast them to the ocean's floor. Where are your sins? They're on the ocean floor. You want to go diving for them? How deep is the ocean floor? Depends on where you're swimming but it's some place where you just don't see those things anymore. That's where the Lord, he casts them into the sea. You've heard this. This comes from ancient Hebrew tradition where he casts them not just into any sea, but into the sea of forgetfulness. And all of our sins are down on the bottom. Amazing, isn't it? Remember good things. Remember good family things. My brother has a, has a memory like me, but he sees things in a different way. So when he and I get together, he's seven years younger than I am. So he was a little brother, but not anymore. He's taller than me. But anyways, when Lyle and I get together, we love to talk about the funny things that happened with Dad. And one of these days, I've, I've been kicking around. I always say this, but if I wrote a book, it would be Life with Dad, Living with Dad. There were things my dad did that were just absolutely hilarious. And it's just because of who he was. And the nut doesn't fall far from the tree sometimes. Remember where you came from? In the day of King Saul's defeat and grand disobedience to the Lord, it was it was Prophet Samuel that came to, came to him and he said this one phrase that that is so true. He said, remember, remember the days when you were small in your own sight. Now that's something to remember, isn't it? Remember where you came from. Did God not love you and take you out of that? Didn't he take you out of the miry clay and put your feet on a rock to stay? Remember that. Let it bless you. Let it bring joy to you. Remember those good things. I'm going to leave you with a final verse here. My time is done. 
Philippians 3, 12 and 13. Oh, you're probably sitting back there going, Rip, did you forget that? No, I didn't. I'm just saving it for last. Paul said this. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Do you see the purpose in that? But I press on that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Time out. Destiny. It's what he's talking about. He says, I am pressing on to the destiny that God has called me, and nothing is going to get me to turn back. I will not shy away from it. I will press on. And he says, brethren, I do not count myself to also to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do. And this is the key. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, to those things which are ahead. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you, Jesus, for the victory. Thank you, Jesus, that losing is not in the vocabulary of the Christian. <laughs> Thank you, Lord for winning the battle for us, and you have made us more than conquerors. Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, for strength that comes from that as we quote that, as we think on it and meditate on it. And I pray, Lord, if there's someone here that's been having that struggle of late, whatever it would be, Lord, you know. Father, I pray that this word blesses, turns things around, and sets us in alignment with your word and your call and your destiny on our lives. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for these people. Go with them. Enjoy peace, love, and power in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.